would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups and your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a matter of royal to help and heal human beings. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Hello, welcome everybody to Star Wars from the Back to Tank, the Clone Wars edition. I am Michael Flores, the captain of this YT light freighter. <laughs> I don't remember the uh, numerical designation. Yeah, we need to give we need to give the YT freighter a name. How about the uh, big penis? <laughs> big penis. Yeah, captain of the big penis. <laughs> captain of the big penis. Yeah. I come in less than half a parsec. <laughs> what, <laughs> David? Awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> All right. So today's show may or may not happen because it's on a Friday night is when we're recording. And it is well known that I drink on Friday night. <laughs> so we'll see if we can get through this show. How are you today, David? I am feeling fantastic. We're this would especially because of this episode. This yes. episode was very good. Yes. We're going to be talking about and breaking down Clone Wars, the second episode of the seventh and final season, the season we had never expected to see, and yet here it is. Yeah. And Dave, I agree with you. It's a fantastic episode. I loved it. Uh, the synopsis is believing that the missing in action soldier Echo may still be alive. Rex's mission becomes doubly important. Alongside the Bad Batch and Anakin Skywalker, the clone captain launches a dangerous covert rescue. This episode was written by Matt Michnovitz. Dave Filoni and Brent Friedman, directed by Stuart Lee. All right, Dave, where do you want to start today? Um, There's so many things that about this episode that are, was really awesome. I mean, going to Skako Minor and tying it to—I don't know if you realized it—but Skako Minor plays a big role in the Doctor Afra series. What? Uh, what part? At issues fifteen, sixteen, and. 17 which, which you just reread, right? Because yes. we're covering it. Yeah. So it's Skako fresh in your Minor, mind. Skako Minor is a major kind of like backdrop in uh, Dr. Afra. Awesome. See, that, I, isn't that awesome? That's that's what I love. The first thing that just dawned on me was like, oh, my God, this is a this is before Afra gets here. <laughs> yeah, it's cool, man. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff to talk about. In today's discussion, uh, let's start officially with the Padme Anakin part of the episode. Dude. Obviously the worst kept secret of all time. Absolutely. I mean, I can't remember if Obi-Wan and Clone Wars prior to this had been so blunt about knowing before. I was not able to get through my rewatch before season seven premiered completely. But regardless, it makes sense. To see it now, because we know Obi-Wan was aware of the relationship in Revenge of the Sith. It was clear. I mean, come on. And if he didn't know at this moment, it's no wonder the Sith were able to pull the wool over the Jedi's eyes. 
So I, I do like that aspect quite a bit. I don't typically agree with what Clone Wars, with what various Clone Wars fans say about this series that it fixes the prequels. I love the Clone Wars as an ancillary series. I don't see them as fixing, but adding. Yes. That's exactly what I was about to say. Like, I love the Clone Wars as an ancillary series, but I've always felt that the prequels stand on their own just fine. If we never had gotten the Clone series, it would be a travesty. It would be sad. It would be a sad, sad time. You know, we wouldn't have fleshed out the clones and and what they mean to the the bigger picture and and various other elements. But the movies themselves and the the nuanced story, they flow just fine in the prequel trilogy. However, if I had to complain about one thing, Dave, it's the way Padme was handled in Revenge of the Sith. And that's why anytime we can get a moment like we did in this episode, it's a win for me. It's a win. Yeah. It's something that adds to it because like, I agree with you in the Revenge of the Sith, the way Padme is almost treated as kind of like a, an afterthought. Yeah. And it's like, no, she's a major reason why Anakin becomes the way he does. Yes. And exactly. When you see like a scene like this, it really puts it into perspective perspective about their relationship but also how obi-wan viewed it because like i like the fact that the one thing that i always kind of felt when i watched revenge of the sith was obi-wan knew anakin was seeing padme yeah oh yeah he knew and, and just like what you said padme or padme you always call her padme Pada, padme. <laughs> padme there is no a in between the d and the s <laughs> she's not a panda yeah <laughs> but but panda like, obi-wan obi-wan Never came out in, in, in Revenge of the Sith and said he knew about this the whole time. He warned Anakin, don't try it. Yeah, he warned him. But like, I like the fact that basically when you get to this episode, you know, Obi-Wan looks at him and says, did you at least say, tell her that I said hi? Yeah. And it's like, at that point, it's it, it shows the friction between Obi-Wan and Anakin. But also it fits that snarky tone that obi-wan had in the later films yes in revenge of the sith it i loved it i smiled when he said that but bringing it back to the padme moment for just a second you're you're you hit it right you hit the nail right in the head when you said that padme is such a important part of anakin's evolution as a character i mean padme is the very reason why Anakin gives in to the dark side, his need to control and his inability to keep his emotions, his emotions in check is why he was so easily manipulated by Palpatine. So that's why when I look back at the prequels, I feel like, yeah, I'm fine with Padme and definitely Phantom of the Menace, Phantom Menace. She was great in that movie. Uh, Clone Wars. She was great. It wasn't until Revenge of the Sith where we kind of lost sight of her. And for whatever reason, Lucas kind of, I don't want to say he marginalized her. I just felt like he he had a, a bigger picture to tell. And Padme just wasn't vital, according yeah. to him, or at least from his perspective. So in Clone Wars, when we get these moments where we see uh, their relationship or how they were able to communicate despite this massive war happening and him being a Jedi Knight on the front lines. And, and also and it's taking Padme, a toll on him. 
Yeah. Because it, just in that simple conversation that they both had, Anakin, you can tell Anakin is physically and mentally exhausted. He's like, yeah, we've been fighting here for the longest time, and he's apologizing to pa- uh, Padme. I think they it's need saying- to have holo-, holo sex. Do you think that's a thing in the Star Wars world? You know, people have phone sex, and they te- they they sexed. Do you think Padme and Anakin ever had hollow sex? Well, maybe that might anger pa- uh, may- might anger Anakin more. You know, like you don't want that. Uh, you don't want someone that emotionally fragile to be like that pimped up. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's already angry enough, Mike. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's, uh, I completely threw you off. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> yes, you did. Because now I have this picture of Padme just masturbating in front of Anakin. And it's like, okay, oh, get that out of my head. Master Obi-Wan would be very upset. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, it, it is something that is an important part of Anakin's story. Yeah. That... We have to understand the dynamic more about how him, Obi Wan, and Padme, or Padme, Pad- David, Padme, Padme, Padme. Hey, say it after me, Padme, 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 Padme. But Anakin, no, Padme, no, no, Padme, Padme. But Anakin, Padme, and Obi Wan's whole relationship worked out because, in a lot of ways, Obi Wan is part of that that messed up triangle as well. It's not a love triangle in any ways, but it does lend credence to the fact that because of that relationship Anakin had with Padme, it caused the friction between him and Obi-Wan because at that point he's not listening to Obi-Wan. Yeah. Obi-Wan should have been involved. He'd be like, hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> <laughs> Just pops right in. Hello. Yeah. All right. So the further fleshing out of Rex was another win for me. Uh, really showing why he's the one that goes on to become a Star Wars legend. I mean, the clone that embraced his humanity over the clone protocol 6-6. Uh, fighting against the biochip that erases existing bias. And yet this is the character we know will in fact fight against that. In fact, to use his words and rebels, they, they ripped it out of them. That's sh- th- that moment. And in moments like this are good ways to justify where he ended up in rebels. Yes. Moments like in this episode show us his strong will or his strong constitution. It really does. And we need those moments, especially because we know, and this is the benefit. And not that I think Filoni was ever going to do anything differently with Rex. In my opinion, I, I strongly believe that yes, obviously these episodes were already written uh, long before probably rebels was even a, a thing, but moments like this show you that Filoni had this bigger story for Rex and that I would even believe that Filoni knew exactly where he would end up, which would be the battle of Endor, the battle of Endor. Yeah. And I honestly feel that Rex actually showing him in parallel with the bad batch is actually genius too, because you can kind of see that Rex is the only clone that quote unquote follows his gut instinct. Everyone else follows everything by numbers. You know, they they 
they, they're given orders and they just do it. They're soldiers. Right? They're soldiers. Yeah. And even though the Bad Batch is being shown as like these these very unique and different clones, at the end of the day, Rex is actually the one who's super unique because he has his own individual right, thought. Right. We exactly. all know that the Bad Batch, just by looking at them, even in this episode, we know that when Order 66 uh, six, six comes in, they'll answer it well, they, because they, they'll answer any order. They don't care. They it's, don't care. It, I mean, what did he, what did the, um, I believe the sniper one say that, of, oh, course, of, of course you left Echo, something, uh, I think he alluded to the fact that all of us would, he's just a reg. Yeah, he's just another reg. Yeah, so they were trying to draw uh, a comparison between the two. Uh, yes, they did have that line that made me think for a moment when I believe it was Rex asked, I know that you've worked for Cody, but who gives you your orders and none of them knew yeah none of them knew so i think they're alluding to something now i had said during our last show that i i feel like there's something nefarious about this group um i could be wrong but when you say something like that like who gives you your orders and they just shrug whether or not they are bad it doesn't doesn't it, I don't think it factors in here. The fact that they just follow orders and it doesn't matter who's on the other end. And I think that's that. I that's hope the that's, point, right? That I hope yeah. that's the point because yeah. when you see it, when you actually, when I watched it a second time, I began seeing the, th- the, the comparison between Rex and the others. And while Rex is considered a quote, quote, reg, he's actually much more different than any of the other clones. He has his own individual thought. Mm-hmm. He talks with Anakin and Anakin and him kind of like converse, not as like soldier to commander. Like if you saw Cody and Anakin, as comrades, and it's comrades. Yeah. It's like Anakin's like going, I'm really worried about you. You have to understand if this happens this way, can you do this? And Rex is like going, I understand where you're coming from. Well, dude, even you would never that- see that type of conversation between Anakin and Cody. No. And even I've I fucking loved it when Rex was covering for him too. Uh, he knew that he was talking to Padme, and he's lying to Obi Wan when he says General. The General is over there. The General is over there. <laughs> I, I, I you know he's doing he's busy. I forgot the exact. Uh, no, he line. tells him that oh he's inspecting my uh, he's inspecting my uh, my uh, equipment, equipment. I without without me. Yeah. <laughs> and like i love at that moment when obi-wan looks at him and says the general huh well this general wants to know where that general yeah. is it's such a great relationship and it, it just is. it makes it tragic you know that anakin turns to the dark side and he you know and then rex easily rex could have followed him when you think about it oh yeah because rex is super loyal to the jedi yeah, rex could have easily followed anakin into order six six but he didn't he didn't and i this is goes back to our our discussion we had last week i hope we see a story parallel i hope this series ends in the middle of revenge of the seth because imagine if we see rex have to make a decision when he sees anakin leading the charge against the jedi how fucking conflicted would rex be yeah and 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 honestly, we I, I mentioned I mean, it that, the last that, episode. That could be a tearjerker, yeah. Dave. You put it in parallel with Anakin and Obi Wan, and then you put it in parallel with Rex and Cody. 
Dude, that I would, would I would, be Shakespearean I, as hell. Yeah, okay. The Cody situation, yes, would be cool. But I would also like to see the, the Rex and Anakin. I would Rex not not to see them fight against each other. Maybe, now that I say it out loud, but just the fact that I would like to know, I would like to see Rex see what Anakin does. What Anakin becomes. What he becomes. And like... That's why that's why I think the idea of the Bad Batch becoming nefarious, I don't think that's the point. No. The point is to no, show agree. that all the clones just follow orders. They they're, just follow orders. They're there as a plot device. Yeah. They're, they're there simply to help flesh out other ideas, which is what good guest appearances are supposed to do in TV shows. This is why Filoni is a fucking master at yeah. writing TV. He's done this for this long and... Honestly, dude, in just like two episodes, you see what he, you see like he's able to weave because of everything he's learned the past six years. Did seasons. you say Filoni wears a weave? Because <laughs> that might be racist, Dave. I'm just going to say. I don't think, well, he wears that hat a lot. So I don't know what's underneath. Oh, the I got some, hat. I got a weave under here. <laughs> he just takes it off. <laughs> yeah. So the Echo and Rex connection. And the nonchalant kind of leave them behind mentality. They will do their job and you do yours versus camaraderie. Yes. It's definitely a hard look into the face of combat and the effects of war. That's another great aspect that we can pull from this episode. And again, pointing to Filoni's genius. I mean, not to mention it poses some strong, which isn't always the case with Star Wars, it poses some strong philosophical questions yet again in relation to the Jedi and their use of the clone army as essentially fodder. Yeah. I mean, when you put a face to the faceless, which is what they were in the movies. And again, for the purpose of the movies, it worked fine. But now for the purpose of this TV show, which is called the clone wars, you put faces to these soldiers. Yes. And when you put faces to the soldiers, you now have to ask questions. You have to ask questions. And on the flip side of that, I, I thought it was a brilliant idea to keep Echo alive. Oh, like, yeah. Like at first I was like going, they're going to make it where I, the safe bet would be, oh, Echo's dead. But what he's hearing is kind of like a recording or like. Just his mind. Just his mind. Yeah. The the fact that they he Filoni went so far as to hey Echo is alive but look what they did to him. The flip side of actually showing just how nasty the other side is too, because one of the things that I've always felt about just the not not the movies but the prequel story in general is the fact that the separatist side has always been kind of seemed as a joke because of the droids. Right. But when you put it in, when you put it into the scope of what they were willing to do to a living human being and what they did to echo, he was missing his legs and his arms. So, and they literally plugged him into a machine. That is dark. It is. It's that body, is it's body so horror. dark. Yeah. And I, I, when, when he comes falling out, I, it was like a, almost like a gasp moment for me because of a going. Oh my God, Echo's still alive. Look what they did to him. 
The first thing I thought was, I hope he has his penis still. I mean, that's a that's a silver lining. I'm like, get, you know, take my <laughs> legs, but don't take my penis, please. Even that, even that, he was missing everything from the torso down, Mike. No, he if wasn't. About he it. had just a penis, at least. <laughs> you want to believe? Leave the man his penis. <laughs> Leave the man his pride. Even Anakin had his penis. <laughs> Darth but, Maul now, that's uh, up for debate. We're not sure what he what he was left no, with. No, he was cut in half. There oh, is no penis. Oh, That's why he's angry. I, that is. It's the rage. <laughs> it's the rage. I would be angry. I, if I wasn't part of the Sith, I would become. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, like, just going going back no to that. No wonder he's so uh, upset at Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> but going back, the, like, the thing about the Separatists, I don't know. I've always wanted to ask you about because me and you bounce back and forth about the whole prequel storyline. The Separatists never are really given like teeth to me as an army. Because if you think about me and you always make jokes about, oh, the droid. Oh, droidicas. Oh, they're so Roger, Roger. I think they're the ultimate puppets. They're the ultimate puppets, right? I think it works because of that. Because we know, yes, the Republic is being played too. But we're looking, we're dealing with the Jedi. And the Jedi in many ways are also made to look foolish. Uh, but when we look at the Separatists... The, you're right. I, I don't disagree with you. They are made to look like they have no fangs or yeah. they're not buffoons, but they just don't. They, they, there's, think, no, there's no. I think they're the biggest. Threat. They're the biggest scapegoats in history. Yes. I think that's the point. And, and that's why they don't offer a threat sometimes because the threat is not the separatist army. The threat is the mystery of not knowing what's really happening. The fact that the Jedi know something else is at play here, and yet they continue to play the role of the soldier, even though this is not the threat, and they all know it's not. Yeah. I think that's the true villain. The the, the unknown. The unknown. Yeah. The manipulation that's going on in the shadows. I think the real threat is the Phantom Menace, Dave, if you will. <laughs> oh, my God. What? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I really miss this type of star wars i did too you know, fun the action the prequel era is great for lightsaber battles and action sequences and you know i don't want to slam the sequel trilogy but i do enjoy those films for the most part but when you start watching clone wars and you rewatch the prequels you're like sequel trilogy what <laughs> it does not leave an impact like this. Yeah. Like these films do. They just don't. I don't care how polished they are and how much better directed they are. As some people say, it, there is no comparison to the heart and the soul of the prequel trilogy. Yeah. And when you're watching this series, Dave, all of that, you're reminded of all of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you're reminded of how much we care about these characters. Yeah. Actually, organically care, too. We're not forced to care about them. We, being able to watch Clone Wars and then the prequels, all those characters we truly do care about. Like, there, there's a reason why fans of Clone Wars hold characters like Rex, Ahsoka, Cody to some degree, even like... um trying to think some of the 
the side Jedi that basically passed away. Side Jedi? Is that like a side chick? I'm trying to remember what that female Jedi was. I, I just can't. But like the the some of the some of the Jedi besides Anakin and Obi Wan. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And we as Clone War fans gravitated toward those, and then we all care about those characters by the end of it, and we see the tragedy of like in Revenge of the Sith when it's all wiped away. You just don't get that with the sequel trilogy. Maybe given 10 years, I don't know if Filoni will work his magic. Maybe. But currently right now, it, it's, it's night and day. Yeah. I agree. Well, actually, you agree with me, right? So yes. I agree with you. We agree with each or other. agreeing with me. <laughs> so, Dave, Clone Force 99. A bit of an error last week when we talked about it. Well, possibly. It may, as we had alluded to, not be anything nefarious per se. I know we were, or I was, advocating, oh, the connection with Execute Order 66. And uh, apparently, um, Clone Force 99 was inspired or taken from 99 which was a human male clone of Jango Fett that bred, that was bred to be a clone trooper for the Grand Army, of course, of the Republic. He was malformed in the cloning process and suffered numerous genetic physical defects. So that's how Clone Force 99 became a thing. But unlike Clone Force 99 that became soldiers, respected soldiers, 99 was simply a mechanic and a maintenance worker. Yeah. A and, janitor. Yeah, and but he gave up his life like so you remember him. I remember that episode. Well, why didn't you bring him up then? When I, I was, didn't when realize I was that sounding stupid. No, no, no. I didn't realize <laughs> that that was named after him. Yeah. I honestly thought like what you were thinking like Clone Force 99. Hmm, interesting designation. Yeah. And when you bring it up about like the the clone ninety nine, then it makes sense it does because make like sense. that that story that that episode was so awesome because like it's the flip side of what we're seeing now in the first two episodes where Rex is constantly being called a reg yeah. by the Bad Batch. Mm -hmm. Well, in the ninety nine episode, I remember everyone was making fun of ninety nine except for Rex. That's so because. Sad, because Rex treated him like a soldier, and in the very end, 99 is the one that leads the defense of all the clones, and he ends up giving his life for for them. But he's uh, an amazing part when you take that episode and put it parallel to how the Bad Batch treats Rex. Now Rex is being treated like how 99 is. Where he's like, oh, you're lesser than us because you're not special. <laughs> yeah, so that's just an interesting bit of uh, anecdotal information. Maybe it'll play a part in the story later. Maybe not. But now we know. Um, any final thoughts? You know what? No, not any final thoughts. Give me your final thoughts on this episode plus your RMD score. Final thoughts on this episode. I'm loving what they're doing with the Clone Wars so far. First episode came running out of the gates fantastic start to the series you introduced new characters to us this one you gave us a really really heartfelt episode that had a lot of moving parts that dealt with past 
Clone Wars episodes. The whole story of Echo is just fantastic. You know, the clone who basically they left behind in the original, I think it was season six or season, season six or season five where that happened. And Rex is able to go back and fix what he considered one of his big mistakes, which is leaving Echo behind. And I thought that that was a really powerful story. And I love the fact that they were able to tell the story under 30 minutes again. Yeah. It, it, it really shows what the Clone Wars teams are able to do as writers. It's, just, it's such tight writing. It's such tight writing, but it works. And it, and it, it just baffles my mind that basically outside of Clone Wars and just TV in general, you don't see this tight type of tight writing where basically the, the, the writing crew no, can give us a very powerful story just under 20 minutes or just under 30 minutes, actually. So my final RMD score for this is a pretty high one. I give this a 92 for, for everything. If you're not watching Clone Wars, you need to. As a Star Wars fan, do yourself a favor and just start watching it. The storylines in Clone Wars are just so meaningful when you take a look at the prequels movies and it makes you appreciate the prequel movies. Yeah. So you're giving it a 92? 92. Okay. I will follow you up with a 90%. I thought it was a very strong addition to the final season of Clone Wars. I cannot complain. It was smart. It was tidy. Uh, this is how TV should be written. Uh, it, it just it makes me want to point a finger and say shame on you to the writers over at Star Wars Resistance. Justin, I am like, I'm <laughs> like, hey, where's Justin Ridge in the final season of Clone Wars? <laughs> Justin Ridge is like, oh, knocking oh, oh, you know what? He was over self destructing on uh, Star Wars Resistance. <laughs> Justin is like knocking on Filoni's door. Yeah, can, he's all, can I come in, boss? All, how can you do this? Hello, hello. Can I have my old job back? Resistance blows. <laughs> Why would you do this to me, Filoni? <laughs> Take me back. Yeah, so I'm going to give this a 90%. Very strong episode. And with that, we end today's discussion on Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 2. Thank you, David. Thank you. May the Force be with us. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs>